in a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Uh, before we kick off this new theme month, I just want to shout out our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, Brian has done a fantastic job with it. Uh, all of our episodes and interviews are on there if you want to check out episode one to episode 223. All of our interviews are on there as well in a specific uh, tab. A lot easier to find those great interviews instead of thumbing through all of iTunes or Spotify, so definitely check out the website. Uh, we got our blog. We all wrote some think pieces. Check those out. We love horror fans love sharing their opinions, and you know we love discussing with our fans. Uh, we got our store, new t-shirts, uh, new apparel. Check those out. And we have Shan's Etsy page attached if you want to grab a Tumblr. They're selling like crazy. And shout out our social media. Um, like I just mentioned, we love talking to our fans, interacting. We got a ton of fan questions tonight. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, follow us, like us, subscribe us, all that good stuff. Uh, like I just said, like we love interacting with our fans. Uh, we've just uploaded uh, some of our biggest fans' u- uh, reviews on our website, and it's it's truly amazing. You know, we were all talking about in our, our chat. We got people from Australia, Canada, all over the United States, uh, England, Germany, writing reviews and. You know, we're just four guys, and it, it truly means the world to us that we've got fans all over the world, literally, uh, giving us praise about our podcast. So it means the world to us. And the last thing I want to shout out before we get into the review is uh, our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We got the traditional monthly reoccurring kind, and we fully acknowledge that the economy stinks right now. Times are tough. Not easy to, to spend money loosely like that, but. Uh, it goes directly back into the podcast. It really takes a big burden off of us, and we truly appreciate any help. And we also have one-time donations. If you're a big fan of a movie and you want us to review it, uh, just check out our website for that. Tonight, we're kicking off Brother Dustin's theme and uh, Brother Brian's pick. Dustin, you want to announce your theme, and then Brian can announce the pick? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this month, I went with monster movies. Now, when I say monster movies, basically, it's just a very loose term uh anything that's not human or uh spirit as the evil in the movie so i was excited to pick this there's a lot of good options including the one brian picked yeah and i actually i mean first of all it's nice to be back this week after doing you know 200 plus episodes hell almost 250 at this point i guess it's weird to really miss any um you know it's it's part of our lives so i I have huge fomo whenever i whenever i miss an episode but uh i actually uh went with uh, a movie that Nico said was overdue last week, and I agree with him. Um, 2018's uh, A Quiet Place. You know, as far as as far as this movie goes, I know a lot of times we just kind of pick movies because we feel like it would be a good discussion or whatever. But this is definitely not one of those times for me. I, I love this movie. I, I love the sequel too, actually. But we'll cover that another time. Um, it doesn't hurt that you know even before, before I saw this movie, I loved Krasinski and Emily Blunt which this may date the show, but they need to 100% be Reed Richards and Sue Storm in the MCU permanently. I mean, I, I think you agree with me, Dustin. Yes. But uh, 
but apparently Krasinski was unsure about directing his wife and Blunt was unsure about being in it. So Amy Adams and Hathaway were briefly, briefly considered for the role of Evelyn. Uh, and I love both of them, but I'm so glad they didn't go that route because the chemistry to me is off the charts for obvious reasons. Um, and the rest of this cast is, is just phenomenal to me, especially, you know, Millicent Simmons, who was deaf in real life. And, and sometimes, you know, everything just, just comes together perfectly with casting, directing, writing. And to me, this is one of those times that it did. Um, I have very little complaints about this one, so I'll be counting on you guys to nitpick for the most part with this one. But uh, all right, I'll I'll go ahead real quick. Um, I don't dislike this movie. I like this movie, but whenever I saw the trailer for this movie when it came out, 2017, 2018, whenever it was, I was very excited to see this because you know I was texting with some friends, some friends, and we were like, "Man, that looks really good." Saw it, and I was just a little disappointed, but. I'll say this movie has very high highs and just some stuff that just bothers me from a why would you do that perspective kind of thing. Um, acting, phenomenal. Movie looks great. Um, there's hardly any you know dialogue, but that doesn't even bother me just because the the body language, the facial language, it's 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 very good. Uh, but just I just my complaints are just why the hell would you do this and. Uh, and we've kind of coined the, well, we didn't coin it, but we got that Man Fuck Them Kids awards. And I just feel like there's a lot of awards you could give out in this movie because it's like your parents and like the only thing you have really to do right now is just keep your kids alive and stay alive. And I just feel like they, there's a lot of, and, and if you watch the cinema sins on this, there's just so many nitpicks on this. It's like, why is this kid doing this? Or why are you doing this while your kids do It's just, it's frustrating, but. That's how having kids in real life is. <laughs> yeah, All the time, you're like, "Why the fuck are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this?" You're shit, that's like, shit, that's like, be, hey, that's like being married to me. Ask my wife. Same thing. <laughs> and, and Brian, like you just said, and that's a great point. But it's like, I know you're grieving a grieving couple, but why would you bring another child into this world at this time? I think that's just a big frustration of mine. Uh, with a lot of other things with their kids, but like I said, acting is great. Uh, very sincere moments. I mean, and I know me and Micah and everyone was talking about this before the show. I'm not a dad, but, you know, I am an uncle. I have a niece and a nephew that I care about deeply. So I know what it's like to love someone, and I would hate to lose them or be in that kind of situation where I have to protect them. But, uh, Mike, you want to go ahead and go next? Yeah, man, I'm more in line with Brian here. I love this movie. Like, I think this is – it knocks it out of the park. It's beautifully shot. I mean, this movie visually looks phenomenal. There's so many really good shots, and I wrote down my favorites in my notes just because I didn't want to forget them, and it's really good that this movie doesn't have a lot of dialogue. I can almost take in those shots better because, again, really, really beautifully shot movie. I think the acting is great from top to bottom, and there's really only four characters in the film, and all four play their part to perfection. I I mean, I think the child actors are great. I think Emily Blunt, Johnny Krasinski are phenomenal, especially in the two big scenes they kind of have together. I love it. Um, I understand people's frustration with this film as far as logic, le- leaps in logic. I am willing to forgive those leaps in logic personally, because I think the story is so strong and, I think I worded it perfectly before the show, not to toot my own horn, 
But this movie is a family drama with horror themes. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think that works so, so well. The family dynamic, loss of a child, grieving, all that other stuff. Look, no one gets more mad that they brought another child into this world than I do. But I am almost, there's one point in the movie where I'm, and there's a scene, I wrote it down, that I'm willing to forgive them for doing it because I can put myself in their shoes and almost understand where they're coming from. Well, hey, um, maybe it wasn't on purpose. I mean, that's something they kind of leave up for interpretation. Okay, fair enough. I won't argue with you there, buddy. But yeah, I, I look really like this movie. I think it, it it wraps up a story so nice, ends on a cliffhanger. Um, we'll talk about the sequel another time. I wish that movie didn't exist. I think it, now it doesn't water down this movie. You know, I watched this twice and every single time this movie is able to get a real tear out of me and that is tough to do right radio is the only other movie that does that when radio's mom dies that just kills me every time i never get over it oh but yeah excited to talk about it great pick brian it is overdue i completely agree with nico yeah um i actually watched this movie not that long ago um for the first time i it was a couple weekends ago um let me let me see i've got it right here but anyway, I, I watched it, I guess it was on the 30th of July, watched it for the first time and really liked it. And, uh, or maybe it was a little bit before that. I don't know. Regardless, I, I was happy when uh, I announced or when we discussed the theme for this month and I said monster movies and Brian said he was picking this. I was happy about that because I really enjoyed the movie so much. Watched it again, um, obviously, to prep for this show. And liked it just as much. I mean, it it's got a high reach rewatchability factor for me. Um, the runtime's great. Uh, the the most impressive thing that this movie does is captivate you without spoken word. That's really hard to do for me. Um, it, you know, absolutely, absolutely. For, for a movie to not have dialogue or have very very little dialogue, um, and still keep your you know keep the viewers eyes on the screen and not have them get bored with it is so impressive they use such a an effective usage of of the sounds that we do get the sounds of nature and the sounds of everyday life uh the score is great when it's used and so i i think this movie is a very good movie i do have nitpicks as well um which i'll get into that are some are i'm sure shared nitpicks with you guys and some maybe unique to me that's fine but um Strong performances all around, and uh, atmosphere is great. Just, yeah, just a good movie. Absolutely. Uh, any more opening thoughts before we jump into the scene by scene? Yeah, I just wanted to note real quick, I have it in a few scenes in my notes, but I hate repeating myself, so I just want to say, this movie, when they do talk, is very weird. It's, 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 it's a strange thing to experience to me, to have this movie with no dialogue, and then when you finally get... Some dialogue. It feels out of place almost. Not in a bad way, but it's just like, oh, yeah, the people talk. Okay. Because you go, I mean, you go a good 40 minutes without hearing spoken word. Uh, you really do. And then when you finally get some, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, people talk. And I think that's done masterfully. Like, I, I can't express how much I enjoy that, like, weird feeling I got when I'm like, oh, yeah, people talk. I, like, it's just weird to hear their voice. So I think they pulled that off perfectly. Yeah, to me, it almost makes it when they do talk, it actually makes it 
better. It makes it more important. Absolutely. And, and they don't waste that. Like to me, nope. almost everything they say is very important, I guess. Very, it moves the plot. It, it makes it, makes everything better. In my opinion. Brian, that's the point. The two big scenes where there's talking, they're both phenomenal and they mean that much more because you don't hear them the rest of the film. So great job. Um, before I jump into the scene by scene, I just want to throw out a quick disclaimer. In my scene by scene, if I say this character says something to this character, it's in sign language. I just, when you're watching a movie and typing, it's not easy to say sign languaged <laughs> to, to the mom uh, sign language to the daughter. <laughs> I think absolutely. Signed. 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 Yeah. Signed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> real quick, I'm so glad you said that. I thought it was really cool that they went with sign language. I thought it was awesome. The cast learned it. Um, I think it's a great display of of how important it could be for everyone to probably learn. Not maybe not full sign, but learn some stuff in sign. Like I think it's it's a very cool way that they did that and put it on Front Street. I enjoyed that. Well, up until the last second, they weren't even going to have subtitles. Like, because, I mean, for the most part, you can kind of figure out what they're saying. But I'm so glad they went with subtitles because to me, it was, it makes it so much better. It would have been. There's a, hey, there's one copy I watched that had them and one copy I watched that didn't. I won't. Well, then you can, you can, how was it then? How was it without the. Doesn't take away from the performance. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Let's jump into the scene by scene. Day 89. We see a traffic light on the ground and this town is abandoned. We see missing people flyers hung up on this board, and this grocery store is abandoned. We see a little boy running up and down the aisles and a young girl walking down another. Evelyn is looking through the medicines for her son to take. Evelyn smiles at her daughter, Reagan, telling her Marcus is okay. Reagan sits with Bo, and he does a rocket motion with his hand. Bo says that's how we'll get away in sign language. Bo reaches on a shelf and knocks over a toy rocket, but luckily Reagan catches it, saving them from making any noise. Lee tells Bo to go find his mother as he puts a radio in his bag and other tools. Evelyn says it'll be dark soon, so they need to head back. Lee takes the toy rocket from Bo and removes the batteries. Lee tells him it's too loud. The family exits the store, but not before Reagan grabs the rocket and hands it to Bo, and he grabs the batteries as they leave. We see a sand path for them to walk on on the pavement. They're walking on a train track now and make it to a path in the woods. As the family crosses a bridge, we hear the toy rocket make a loud noise and their faces go blank and into shock. Lee runs full speed to his son, but a monster in the woods grabs the boy and escapes. Title card, day 472. We see Reagan lying down on the sand in a cornfield. She gets up as Evelyn walks up and carries the basket of corn for her. We see a monitor watching them in newspapers and whiteboards on how these monsters can hear you. Lee has confirmed there are three in the area. Lee sends out an SOS message, but to no luck. Marcus is outside in the truck, pretend driving. He sees his father walk up to him, and he climbs out the window. Marcus walks inside a bunker where his mother is. We see she's pregnant and setting up a crib for their baby. Lee sits on top of a silo and looks at pictures and belongings of his dead son. Evelyn closes the crib as Lee lights a fire and looks at nature around him. Evelyn gets the food out the oven and sends Reagan to get her dad for dinner. The family's at the dinner table now quietly getting their food, and they hold hands to pray. Reagan and Marcus are now playing Monopoly, and she accidentally knocks over a kerosene lantern. Lee jumps on it quickly, putting the fire out, and puts up the sign to be quiet. The family isn't moving as they wait to see if they were heard. They hear a flock of birds flying away, and they hear a loud crash on their roof. Lee looks out the window and they're jump scared as some raccoon fall to the ground. Everything's safe for now. 
we see something grab the raccoon, killing it as it walks away. Lee is trying to put together a cochlear implant to help Reagan's hearing. Evelyn walks into the room with him and hugs his neck from behind. The two joke with each other lovingly, and now they dance together. They share earbuds and slow dance together as Lee presses hands on her stomach and kisses her forehead. Day 473, and we see Lee putting more sand out on the trail. Evelyn checks her blood pressure, and she checks her stomach in the stethoscope, listening to her baby's heartbeat. Uh, Brian, what would you think about the powerful opening scene? Yeah, the opening to this is fantastic. Uh, right off the bat, it kind of sets this tension that just doesn't let up this entire movie, in my opinion. Um, I love the way it just kind of drops you right in the middle of it all, like, boom, day 89. And I'll admit, when I see stuff like that sometimes now, like I'm almost disappointed because I, I expect it to be like not linear like they tarantino it you know and show me the end first and then over flip you know go back to the beginning um and over the years honestly i've kind of gotten to where i i don't really like that anymore if that makes sense um you know on the flip side i'm a huge fan of being thrown right in the middle of the story and having to piece together organically kind of what's happened so i freaking love that choice um but this opening is just i mean it's holy shit it's great um fun fact this opening sequence was actually the last to be shot um, as it kind of re- as it required John Krasinski to shave most of that luscious beard he has going on during the rest of this movie. Um, also love the attention to detail in the grocery store sequence because you could see all the shelves are bare except the potato chips because they make the most noise. Attention to detail like that I love all throughout this movie. Um, you know, and, and the entire setup here with losing the son, it's heartbreaking scene, 100%, just devastating. But something else it does is almost set up Reagan's being deaf as a, I don't want to say weakness, but like an obstacle to overcome here. And yeah, it costs, you know, it costs them with Bo being killed, obviously. But what I really love about that is by the end, it becomes a strength and saves the rest of their family. Spoiler alert. You know, it's just an arc that I love so much that, that you may not grasp until, you know, subsequent viewings. Um, the camera work to me is amazing. Big shout out to Krasinski and the director of photography, uh, Charlotte Christensen. She actually worked on uh, Emily Blunt's The Girl on the Train as well. Um, but these shots of like just their feet on the ground, uh, I mean, they're great anyway, but showing, you know, the, them walking on sand to not make noise. Also, these creatures, I think they look fantastic. Um, you know, sh- showing Evelyn being pregnant by hanging the, the non-noise-making, you know, fish bed toy thing. Um, you know, and just, it just shows you a glimpse, not making it obvious. Uh, I, I thought, I thought it was great. I thought it was genius work. Um, these creatures, by the way, they almost look like the starship troopers, like bugs. Um, but also this sort of design kind of reminiscent of like a bunch of different ones. I think, um, it's almost a go-to design now. I mean, we've seen it stranger things, you know, to an extent, I and mean, we've seen it in a bunch of different places. And I think that, I think that that's kind of a, a go-to, like I said, um, production designer Jeffrey Beecroft headed the creature design, and special effects supervisor Scott Farrar created those created these creatures. I think they look fantastic. Um, the last thing I'll say, and I'll shut up. I was listening to another YouTuber, and I won't say their name, but they complained that uh, a nitpick was that it seemed like they had unlimited electricity at this house, and that you know it was just a nitpick of theirs. Um, but this set of scenes right at the twenty-five minute mark shows the solar panels on the side of the house, so that explains that away. Um, Anyway, just I'm glad you of... said that because I didn't notice it. Yeah, that's a and good I have it in my notes, it, like not in this set of scenes because whatever. But later in, I was like, "How the hell they have electricity?" 
call. They did not make it a point to show it. That's for sure. Very good. But you had to you had to look for it. But at right at the twenty five minute mark, you can see you can see the solar panels on the side of the barn and the house. Um. Anyway, just a set of scenes. You know, set with I mean, just not tension and violence, but some really beautiful family moments as well. You know, that kind of develop all these characters. It goes along kind of what what Mike said at the beginning. Um, I, I think it does so much without saying a word, and it's just it's so good. Go ahead. Yeah, they may have had unlimited electricity, but they sure didn't crank the air very much because they sweat their ass off this entire movie. Um, anyway, I don't. I, I guess the AC would probably make noise. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, right off the bat here, the silence, the no noise is very noticeable. I think it makes for good tension. It's very creepy. Um, this opening shot does a great job of making or, or putting me right where they are in this desolate post-apocalyptic, for lack of a better term, kind of wasteland they're in. Uh, again, I already mentioned it, but sign being the main form of communication, I think is really cool. Um, especially when you know, you know, the story about, um, the actress teaching everyone how to do it. I think that's awesome. Uh, I love the acting, the facial expressions, the urgency that this family has to not make a sound comes across really, really early on here, especially when she catches the can or the, or the medicine. Um, <clears throat> I caught myself in this set of scenes asking myself, would you go through all of this to survive? I, I think if you put yourself in the shoes of someone with a family like Brian, of course you would. But my own shoes, I probably would have. I make way too much noise. I'm loud. I, I I can't tiptoe for shit, man. I'd have been screwed in this world. I would have died real early on, probably. Um, your if heart. I was with, if I was with Emily Blunt, yeah, I'd do everything I could to keep us alive. And <laughs> you want to just take my you want to just take my old catchphrase and adopt it? Just do it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can have it, man. Uh, or, she can't. She can't call me. It makes too much noise. She could text me sometime though. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> hey, that'll be the new phrase. Text me sometime. Um, okay, but your heart breaks for Bo here because he's a little kid. He just he doesn't quite understand all of this, and you could tell it comes across well. I mean, he's not a dumb kid. He's just a little kid. He doesn't quite get the urgency in which him not getting this toy is important. Um. But again, that's the reason you got to keep your eye on him because this this man grabs those batteries because again he can't quite wrap his head around why he's not allowed to play with this plane. This right here has a great overhead shot uh, when it comes over the bridge. I think again, director of photography, the cinematography, all that really really well done. I think they get so many good shots. Um, you know, all the shots of them walking as a family. I think in this early set, really well done. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, from the side, from behind, like I think it all looks really, really good. The um, I love once we realize the rocket goes off, the, the how they change to everyone's different perspective yes. from hearing it. Um, expect sorry, especially when you get uh, Reagan, who every time we get Reagan's perspective, I think it's so well done. Like there is just something about being in her shoes not being able to hear what's coming or what's happening is is powerful and having to watch everyone else's reaction around her as her through her eyes i think is is really really well done um i, I think the monster looks good hopping out of nowhere was fantastic kind of scared the shit out of me the first time i ever saw this movie not going to lie it's hard to get me to kind of 
jump at something, but when he's well, man, when those things swipe, it's over. Dora uh, the Explorer ain't walking through that door. Swipe or no swiping. I don't think so. This thing's gone, man. Um, so <laughs> I wrote down, wouldn't risk laying outside in the sand in this world, but that's just me. Very true. Sorry, Reagan. I don't think I'd be out there, you know, kind of laying around. Um, Marcus pretending to drive is one of my favorite scenes because you could tell he just, man, all this life experience that you knew, the, the, this life you knew before is gone. It's out of here. And so I really like that. Um, it's absolutely irresponsible to bring a child into this world. Uh, I have never grieved the loss of one, so I can't put myself in their shoes. And I understand maybe it was their only way to have a will to live. But man, you still have your two kids that are alive and well to think of. Um, I don't care how soundproof you make things. It just seems like a really bad plan. So if I have a nitpick with the film, I think it's that. Um, the aerial shots of their house from far away. I love skyline shots. I love, uh, I'm not gonna lie. That smoked fish looks a little suspect. I'm not going to complain too much because food is food, especially in this world, but mm, suspect at best. Uh, you could get shredded with how you eat though. You could tell this family has tension after the death of Bo. And that's something I think carries on throughout the film into the last set of scenes where they love each other, but there's something that hangs over their head. Some kind of, darkness that's not the monsters um and that's and I, given with no dialogue yeah that's no dialogue so brilliant yes. about that that that, that well. exactly words right out of my mouth brian is they don't have to say anything we know you can tell by their faces and the app you know the atmosphere around it and i know they have to be quiet but there's not even any like little smiles little laughter there's nothing it it, it, it is clear that there is some tension at the dinner table there I wouldn't let these kids play board games ever again. If you can't play board games without breaking a lantern, you know, you definitely couldn't be Amish, that's for sure. Oh, sorry, is that offensive? My bad. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's really sweet that he wants to finish this earpiece, you know, because you could tell just off that dinner scene, she blames herself for the death of her brother. And, she, you know, she, she thinks her dad does too. We know that's not the case, but she doesn't. And I think having him learn about the ear and all that stuff, I think it's really great. The scene... The scene with Lee and Evelyn dancing is one of my favorites. Uh, Harvest Moon, I think it's awesome. Their on-screen, their on-screen chemistry is great. Makes sense because, you know, the real-life situation. I will say, last thing, 407, 473 days without barely making a sound. I couldn't do it. So I'm proud of this family <laughs> for being able to stick it out. Uh, also, something I thought was really smart was continuing to lay the sand so they could keep track of themselves. Um, as much of the dumb decisions that this family makes, I think that's one of the smart ones to just kind of, you know, keep a trail so they can make it back home. I think uh, laying the sand is smart. That's all I had. So that's the most I have on any set of scenes. All right. So, yeah, I, I love the the score that we get right off the bat, and then it immediately goes to silence and a great look at Apocalyptic Town here. That's a great opening shot there. Um, great job making the whole town look desolate and abandoned. Looks like something that was shot out of the uh, the Walking Dead early season. So that was that was great, well done. Um, I wish this is a very minor nitpick here, but I wish that they would have established more that she was deaf. Like we kind of just figured it out on our own as we go, because if you know the premise of the movie, you know that they can't talk, so the sign language thing makes sense. But then we find out, oh, one of them is actually deaf, so that's why they knew sign language. I don't know. It's, it's very minor. I don't know how they would have done it or how I would have preferred that they do it, but 
do wish that it would have been established somehow uh, earlier than it was. Um, but then, man, this is a disobedient ass couple of kids. And the, the small child, you can understand because he's small. He doesn't know any better. He just wants his rocket. But the girl, she's old enough to know better, man. Uh, and for her to just be like, here, take the rocket, blah, blah, blah. And then, honestly, though, leaving the rocket and the batteries right there on the counter like that, that's irresponsible. Like, he's not going to pick those batteries up. Come on. Put them up higher. Um, great shot of the bridge here as they're walking, you know, where all the tragedy takes place. The bridge is uh, actually the Wallkill Valley Rail Trail Bridge in New Paltz, New York. So uh, you can go visit it if you're so inclined. But great set here. And I like that we get action. And I don't like that we get the death of a small child. But I like that we get action and a death just 10 minutes into the movie. So they do a very good job of establishing uh, the atmosphere and the mood and the tempo of the movie very early on. Um, We get to the house. And this is also a nitpick. The newspapers that are everywhere that says it sounds stay silent, stay alive, or they can hear you on the newspapers. How did those newspapers get printed? Do you have any idea how loud a printing press is? So if if they're running printing press and after they figured out that the sound is it, those those papers would have never made it to the public. So ah, I'm not buying that. That's a nitpick. Sure. Um, overall though, this is a very good opening. Uh, it does a good job of grabbing and maintaining your attention, which I mentioned, that's a tall task considering there's no dialogue. This opening set of scenes, there's not a word spoken verbally. It's just signed. And for me to just like not even feel the need or the urge to pick up my phone and scroll. Cause I do that when I watch movies a lot of times, if you don't have my attention from the get go, I'm going to scroll and kind of watch you in the background. Don't have that urge in this movie because it's, it's so strong uh in the in the acting chops that we get so yeah overall good set of scenes and i'm in all right reagan tiptoes into a house trying turning on a light to a basement but is grabbed by lee he says you can't go down there and you know why she says she won't make a sound he says please and he now gives her the implant to try and she says it never works he says he'll keep trying until it does she pushes his hand away as he tries to put in her ear. She says, stop, just stop. He puts a cochlear implant into her hand and walks away. Evelyn is home homeschooling Marcus now as Lee walks inside. He says, it's time to go. Marcus says, please don't make me go. Evelyn says, you'll be fine. Your father will protect you always. Listen to me. It's important you learn these things. He wants you to be able to take care of yourself and me when I get old and gray. Marcus smiles as Evelyn says, don't worry. Lee and Marcus are arguing as Marcus says he doesn't want to go. Reagan says she'll go, but Lee tells her to stay and help her mother. I want to go, Reagan says again. He says stay here and be safe. Reagan storms away mad. Lee tells Evelyn next time. Reagan goes into her room tossing the implant and she sits down. She picks up the implant and tries it out, but she still can't hear any better. She begins to cry in frustration. She packs up a bag as it cuts to Lee and Marcus by a stream of flowing water. He checks the traps to see they've caught a fish. He drops it and grabs Marcus, who fears they will, uh, the monsters will hear them. Lee tells him the river is loud. They won't hear small sounds. Big sounds are okay as long as they're by this river. He says he wants to show him something. We see Reagan walking away from their home. Evelyn is doing laundry, and she grabs a laundry bag and carries it up the stairs. It catches a nail that now sticks straight up on the step. Lee and Marcus are behind a waterfall now and Lee lets out a really loud yell. 
He tells Marcus, we're all right, I promise. Now Marcus lets out a loud scream. Evelyn hangs up clothes, and she heads back inside the house. Marcus asks, why didn't Lee let Reagan join? He asks if he blames her for what happened. We see Reagan on the bridge where Bo was killed. Lee says, no, he doesn't blame her, as Marcus says, well, she blames herself. Reagan has set up a memorial for Bo, and we see Evelyn in Bo's room crying. Lee says it was no one's fault. Marcus asks if Lee still loves her. Reagan cuts the noise wire and places the rocket by the cross. You should tell her you love her. The two guys walk home, and they come across an old abandoned house overtaken by plants. They keep walking, and Marcus walks into Lee, who has stopped seeing an old man and his dead wife on the ground who has been killed by a monster. Lee tells him to be quiet, but the old man lets out a loud scream. Lee grabs Marcus and takes off running full speed, and they hide behind a tree. The old man is killed by the monster as Lee holds Marcus' mouth shut. Evelyn's water suddenly breaks, and she begins to head down the stairs and sits on the bottom step, taking deep breaths. She walks down the basement steps and steps on the nail, dropping a picture frame. She she removes her foot off the nail and walks downstairs and flips a switch to give off a warning of red lights. She looks up the steps and sees a monster in their home. She hears loud crashing noises, and she grabs a wind-up timer. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. What do you think? Look, just a, another great set of scenes. I mean, you, you see the, the fractured, look, and I'm sure nearly impossible relationship between Lee and Reagan, but also giving, you know, very important plot points that, again, don't pay off until the ending. Um, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but this is a lot like signs to me where, where the monster aspect of the movie isn't the main focus, you know, kind of Mike, like Mike said earlier, but although it's, it's much more of a focus, I think than signs, but the main focus is this family, you know, the, the characters, uh, and their relationship with each other. It's, it's very well written and I'll get more into it during my fun facts, but writing credits go to Brian Woods as Scott Beck and John Krasinski, which I believe he did some rewrites and additions to, uh, Beck and Woods' original script, but yeah, this set of scenes has a lot of that character development, a lot of character moments in it. Probably, I would say the most in the whole movie. Um, we get our first line of dialogue. Uh, well, that's not true. First line of voiced dialogue here, um, you know, at around the 38-minute mark. But again, it, it's not just some random throwaway shit, like I said earlier. It's giving you plot points and showing you that they can talk you know, if there's a bigger sound nearby, it pays off later, obviously. I, th- I think this one hour and 30 minute runtime is used very well. Uh, it's very tight script, which where, you know, we've had some movies that go an hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes, but they feel like four hours have gone by. To me, this is not the case with this one. Um, the only really nitpick I have with this out of scenes is, is Reagan cutting the cords to the to the sound for the rocket ship. How could she tell it wasn't making any sounds anymore? Like, anyway, anyway, just minor nitpick. I had a question. Um, you know, it, with all the character development and, and just just as you think it could possibly be getting just a little bit boring, maybe uh, we call an exhibit to pimp our fucking movie because you want action scenes on top of action scenes, baby. <laughs> Here you go, motherfuckers. <laughs> we get we get the old man in the woods. Then, you know, Evelyn's water breaking at the same exact time. Like that wasn't enough. All in broad daylight, too, which, you know, eventually they'll ramp that tension up even more with the finale scene, which is smart because, I mean, you're not giving us the same thing. It's all, yeah, monsters attacking, but each time it's something a little bit different, a little bit different situation, uh, something added like nighttime or like an enclosed space or, or this or that. It's never the same tension. Um, so I really I really liked how they did that. There's only a few more years. Uh, people will probably even get that Pimp My Ride reference. 
So uh hope everybody gets it at least now. Um, Yo, sorry. dog. Oh, sorry. <laughs> By the way, shout out to boss bitch Evelyn for delivering her own damn baby after stepping on a fucking nail and then prying it off herself. Which shit, I mean, wow, that hurt me watching it. And uh, anyway, surviving another possible attack with contractions and a hole in her, in her foot, fucking boss. Um, and I think this goes into the next set of scenes too, so I'll kind of cut it off right there. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, um, to, to me, this is a set of scenes that's just kind of doing a really good job keeping the narrative going into the next set of scenes, which is where the movie really kicks up. But we started at the end of this one. Um, I, the, the scenes between father and daughter, heartbreaking, because you can almost understand both sides. Um, he sees it as trying to help. I think she's kind of sick of this whole, is this going to work, is this not going to work thing with her earpiece. So totally understand both sides of it. Um, on the other hand, and you get the, you know, the yin and the yang here, the mother son stuff is so sweet. You know, it, you can tell he's kind of a sensitive kid. Um, he's, you know, a little bit scared after what happened to his brother to even live in this world. And so I think she does a good job trying to comfort him. Um, and, and I really like that this scene where she tell, or he tells, uh, uh Reagan that she can't go straight out of Tim McGraw's don't take the girl dust. And I know, you know, that one, buddy. Um, what is it? Okay. All right. Anyway, doctor said the baby's fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I love, again, I said it again here, but I love it where you're almost in her shoes when she's trying to hear, you get the snapping, the real slow-mo snapping. And I like the added effect that we can't hear it either. We are at our, we are Reagan in that moment. And I think again, really just smart, really good filmmaking. Um, running away in times like these, eh, I guess you learn to live again. Ha <laughs> ha, Foo Fighters, baby. Someone will get that reference. Um, look, <laughs> I'm not sure where they live, but it's beautiful. Wherever they live, this farm, where they're at, and all the streams and creeks and stuff, it's beautiful. Um, the, the sun here is a little too scared for me, and I know I just talked about how sweet it was, but at some point, man, you got you, you to gotta know what's at stake, man. We got to get these fish. We got to teach you how to get these fish so that someday you know what you're doing. So that's, you know, kind of how that goes. Man, this nail. The minute I saw it come out of the stairs, I said, oh, God, somebody is stepping on this nail. Uh, I wasn't wrong. That scene, also, I'll say it for a second. I love this waterfall scene. I think the sound, whoever did the sound design, fantastic job here. Um and I said it in my open, but it's so strange when you finally get to hear people speak. It's so impactful. It's so powerful. And you almost forget what voices sound like. So when they talk, it's, it's, it's again, it's almost odd, but it's odd in a good way for sure. Um, I like the, I like the Liam Marcus talk. I think it, you know, it kind of gives us a viewpoint from Reagan, even though she hasn't spoken, we know what she's thinking. And now her dad does too. Good point. Uh, uh, and I think that that adds something because at, you know, as men, you know, idiot, you know, caveman brain men like us don't always pick up on cues like that. And for someone to tell him, you know, Hey, you should tell her you love her uh, is very impactful and very important. And, and, and comes into major play in a scene that just rips your freaking heart out. God almighty. Um, but Hey, I'm going to say everyone in this family's got Jiffy store feet. I know what that looks like. They all walking around here barefoot and I've been noticing. 
Don't think I haven't. Everybody, everybody in this family got Jiffy Store feet. I know because I have Jiffy Store feet. Um, I love the back and forth with the waterfall and the happiness that that brings. And then you get the crying from from um, from Evelyn and Emily Blunt. This is. I want to say this. This is where the acting from Emily Blunt really starts to pick up, man. And it really happens in the next set of scenes. So I'll save it, but I have to give her her flowers here. Um, <laughs> man, the pop old man is kind of a really good jump scare. Like I think it's played really well, but fuck this old guy, man. Fuck this old guy. Now I know his wife probably just died. Now, I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was the creature. I don't know, but you didn't have to yell like that with these two innocent people just chilling right here, man. I hate this old guy. You mean there's trespassers that were on his property? Hey, I don't care. It, man, his property, man, this is day hunt, day 980, whatever it is of, of being lawless. I don't want to hear that shit. Fuck this old guy. And that's why, spoiler alert, he's my favorite kill. I'm glad he dies and gets snatched. I said it. He's old anyway. It'll be all right. Um, really unfortunate time for the water to break. Just saying. <laughs> when you have a mon- uh, an alien monster out for your husband and son and now your water decides to break, uh, man, that's tough. Tough times. Then she steps on the nail. She's a beast. Brian mentioned it. Just a freaking beast to, to not only have your water breaking as you're trying to deliver this baby, but then you step on the nail full force without even thinking about it. It, it is just, oh, God, it gives me the the, the shivers every time. Uh, I'm going to cut it off right there, but I did want to say this is where the movie really kicks up in a good way. I think all the, all the slow tension is about to become really rapid. Yeah. Here's the thing. You both said some nice things about these kids. So I'm going to go the opposite direction. This oh, little hey girl. Kids. That's great. Hey, that's at DM Frank on Twitter. At DM Frank on Twitter. Fuck hey, them kids. kids. <laughs> little girl's got a badass attitude. Little kids got, little girl's got a badass attitude. Disobeying her dad. He's trying to help her. He's trying to put these, you know, devices in her ear so she can maybe try to hear and telling him stop. That scene is playing on my screen right now. It's funny that I guess there's a trailer playing on IMDb. And literally, as I said, stop. She does the hand motion for stop. That was crazy. But, um, you know, it's just this hateful, man. Like, honor thy father, father and thy mother. It's in the Bible. And then, so she got, they got a little girl with a bad attitude and a little boy's a straight up pussy. This is a tough scene. My, my thoughts and prayers go out to, uh, uh, what's her names? Lee and Evelyn. I had to look it up again because we don't get their fucking names in the entire movie. But man, this is a this is some tough situation. Tough cars they were dealt parent wise or kid wise. But um, when she goes, when Evelyn goes walking up the stairs, and you see the the nail get pried up, it wasn't hard to guess that that was foreshadowing, especially when the camera panned back down to. It. I wish I hadn't done that, honestly. Like show the bag gets stuck on it. That's fine. Because she's but and then show the nail get pried up, but the camera stays behind and then goes back down to it. Wish I had it done that. I don't know because we all knew it was coming anyway. Uh, then here, yeah, we get the first line of voice dialogue uh, about thirty minutes in. I really like the scene, like you said, in th- at the waterfall. Little kid was scared shitless, and uh, dad's just trying to tell him, "Look, you're safe. You're fine. Quit being a little bitch, dude." Um, but then it's very emotional. When Lee and Marcus are talking about blame, you know, do you blame her? No, I don't. It's no one's fault. 
And then it, the camera, it goes back to Evelyn in the nursery and she's thinking about uh, little Bo. And then the camera goes to uh, Reagan and she's putting the rocket on the cross there. Like, I really like the way that was shot. Great directorial choices there. And, you know, then as they're on there, they're trying to make their trek home. They're walking. Kid's got his head down, just walking, following his dad. But then out of focus, you see the old man's head pop up. That was an awesome shot because it, it, I wouldn't necessarily call that a jump scare, but it was a very like, oh, shit moment. And then the tension is just insane as we see the his uh, dead wife in the ground there. And uh, Lee's really like, please, man, don't 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 do it. Just stay quiet. Stay quiet. So that was a very tense moment. Uh, I really like that. Now. Here's the thing. Yes, I'm going to give her props for being a badass and taking that nail to the foot like she did. But what are the odds of that, man? Like, that's some... I don't know. It's just... It, the nail happened to rip up right in the middle of the stairway, and then she just happened to take the exact same path back down the stairs. I I guess. It's just... I don't know. A little too coincidental for me, I guess. But regardless of the prob- probability... Of that happening, it was a very tense scene with the uh, the alien or the monster or whatever you want to call it in the house, and I thought that she acted her ass off. Very strong set of scenes again, and also this. But I will say that this set of scenes is where I was like, man, this is kind of a hard movie to take notes on because a lot's happening, I guess, but not a lot's happening. There's no dialogue, and I'm so sucked into the movie that it's like, oh yeah, shit, I'm supposed to be taking notes. So uh, I guess that's a sign of it being effective. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lee and Marcus see the red lights and know Evelyn is in trouble. They take off running to help her. Evelyn hides as she hears the creature coming down the steps. She watches it as we see a close-up on the monster's ear. When the timer goes off, Evelyn makes a run, but changes direction as she sees another monster. Lee gives Marcus a flashlight and tells him, Rocket. Marcus cries, but Lee says, I need you to make a sound louder. Your mother needs you. You can. He hugs his son, and Marcus takes off running. Evelyn sits in a bathtub who is in agony from this childbirth. Blood fills the tub as she sits as quietly as possible. The monster is right outside the bathroom entrance as we see Marcus light the fireworks. Lee has a shotgun in hand. Evelyn lets out a scream of agony as the fireworks explode in the sky. Reagan sits up when she sees the explosion and runs towards home. Lee is in the house with the gun and heads upstairs cautiously. He goes into the bathroom and Evelyn isn't in the tub, only a pool of blood. He begins to cry, but a bloody hand hits the shower glass. He opens the glass door and we see Evelyn holding their newborn child. Marcus is walking in the cornfield and hears rustling around him. He turns around and begins running and runs into the corn. He runs full speed until he runs into a tractor tire, knocking himself out. Lee carries Evelyn and the crying baby fast as he can into the bunker and places the mattress over them to block the sound. They put the oxygen mask on the baby as they place him into the soundproof crib. Reagan is in the cornfield now who sees a light protruding the crop. A monster creeps behind her ready to attack, but the frequencies from the cochlear implant bothers the creature so much it runs away in pain. Evelyn wakes up and Lee says she's safe and to get rest. She asks where are they? I'll find them, he tells her. She says she was with me but I had laundry and he tells her he had rockets. He knows to wait for you. She tells Lee their baby is a boy. Evelyn says she could feel the weight in her arms, so small but heavy. 
My hands were free. I was carrying the bag, but my hands were free. Who are we if we can't protect them? As she cries, reminiscing on Bo's death. Promise me you will protect them. Reagan walks towards the light in the field and finds a flashlight, and Marcus grabs her hand and they hug. Lee exits the bunker to find his children. We see water pouring into the building from a broken pipe. Marcus and Reagan are on top of the silo with a fire lit, but it goes out as they run out of lighter fluid. Lee watches the monitors, and Marcus tells Reagan, don't worry, he'll come for us, as she shakes her head and he hugs Reagan. Evelyn wakes up when she realizes all the water pouring into their bunker. Her worst nightmare as she sees a monster down in the room with her. She gets into the water, and so does the monster. We hear the baby crying softly, and Evelyn grabs him, and the monster emerges right in front of her. She backs away slowly and behind the falling water. Lee is walking the cornfield and finds Marcus' backpack by the tractor. The monster is on the other side of the falling water. Reagan says we can't stay here as he tells her he'll come for us. Reagan says he'll come for you. Marcus now falls through the silo hatch and the monster sprints toward the sound. Reagan looks down and sees him sinking into the corn. The door falls, almost hitting him. Lee watches the monster run past him. Reagan jumps into the crop and pushes the door closer to him so he'll stop sinking, but Reagan is now submerged in the kernels. Marcus grabs her hand and pulls her back up. Lee is running full speed to the silo. Marcus motions to be quiet as he hears noise around them. The other door sways and the monster lands beside her. They use the door to fend off the monster's sharp claws. Her implant's frequency is so intense the monster runs away, shrieking in pain. They sit up and see a hole in the side of the silo. And the next set of scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so that whole tension that was, you know, built up at the end of the last set of scenes is just is super high still at the beginning of this set of scenes. And I started to say the last set, but wow, just great acting from Blunt here. Like, just amazing during this whole thing. I mean, she apparently did that whole bathtub scene in one take, too. Krasinski said as soon as he said cut, Blunt just totally broke character and asked the crew, what does everyone have for lunch? I mean, after such an emotional performance, that's just it's, it's just amazing to me. Um, hell, just the performance Krasinski gives using just facial expressions when he, you know, he thinks his wife is dead. That's another reason why he's so perfect for this. I mean, if you're a fan of The Office, you've seen that skill set of his throughout that entire series. Um also, another cool detail that someone else did the math for uh, why is why there are fireworks on the field. Day 473 of the invasion is actually October 3rd. This means that the invasion started on June 17th, about two weeks before July 4th. So that explains why the Abbott family has fireworks in their fields. Just a cool little detail that, again, I can't take credit for because somebody else did the math on that one. Uh the cornfield, cornfield scene it had a lot of vibes from a few different movies. Um, it, I mean, it's kind of almost a trope with that. You know, Signs, Children of the Corn, uh, Sinister 2, Jeepers Creepers 3. I mean, there are, are a ton, but I love it every time. I mean, here as well. Uh, plus, you have Lee trying to get the crying baby put up at the same time as well as Reagan, you know, walking up on the cornfield and, and can't hear the monster behind her at all. You know, that it, it's kind of gives you that realization that her earpiece could have a bearing on the future before the characters know it. So you're just on sensory overload almost after all that shit. And and, and for a movie with 25 lines of voice dialogue, I think that is just it's it's brilliant. I can't say that enough. Uh, now, that baby would have been screaming from the get go. 
Like, let's just go ahead and say that. And how did Lee not hear the water running behind him? That's ridiculous. Uh, and how can the monster hear Marcus fall through the silo like mile away, but can't hear the baby behind that, well, I guess, basically waterfall in the basement? I don't know. Little nitpicks, but like Mike said, I feel the same way. They're little enough that I'll forgive them for sure. Um, oh, and lastly, I talked about there being only a few lines of dialogue. Just that line here with Evelyn saying, who are we if you can't protect our children? That's just such a powerful line. I mean, it's just in the world we're living in today. That's just, it's such a powerful line. I'll leave it at that. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so this is a set of scenes, great acting by by Emily Blunt. I mean, I said it in the last set, but just got to give her her flowers here, man. The way that she shows pain and fear at the same time, I, golly, she's great. Beautiful shot of the red lights. I think the cinematography is just an A+. Plus. It's artistically done well. The tension with this monster coming down the stairs, I love. You know, the, the you know, she has a good plan here with the timer, but she's got to be speedy. And I'm not really sure that uh, that it's 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 just that she's going to be quick enough. But we've seen her be a badass, so that's fine. Um, the soundtrack of this movie, when it comes to this set of scenes, is great. You know, the song you get when the sun is running is perfect. I love the fireworks as a plan to kind of draw the monster away. Uh, the acting by Blunt again as she's in the tub is just. God, I love it, man. I think she, I, I mean, I think her in this scene, in this set of scenes is Oscar worthy to me. Um, that bloody hair and would have scared the shit out of me if I was Lee, <laughs> especially when I'm like, oh man, I don't know where she is. And all of a sudden there's a bloody handprint on the shower door. That That's something. Um, you know, when Marcus is running through this cornfield, he's making too much damn noise, man. Like you're giving yourself away that quick. Uh, again, this is the, the one set of scenes that makes me go, why are we, having a baby that that uh and then you have to put a baby in a box i mean you know kind of discovering what this earpiece ends up being is something i called you know when he's when the monster is creeping up behind reagan and she kind of i don't know if then that moment she figures it out but we do as a device to kind of maybe can take down this uh this whole thing and i think I love that idea. I think it's unique and in a creative way to kind of get rid of the monster. I know that's had some complaints, but uh, I love the soundproof room idea. All the paper mache artistic time that they were doing in the beginning of the movie now makes sense. Um, another thing where you hear people speak very odd. Uh, good for them. It ended up with a boy after all, if you're going to bring a baby in this world and good for them, I guess. Um, this scene is fantastic. This scene between Emily Blunt and John Krasinski is wonderful. It's heavy. It almost makes me forgive them for bringing a child into this because you can see the pain that the you know losing one caused. And I just think both of them, Oscar Worthy, in my opinion, got robbed for not, you know, horror never gets its flower. So I'm not shocked by that at all. You know, they're really lucky these things can't see shit. If they could, they would have been dead a long freaking time ago. <laughs> they're right there in front of them. Um, the room flooding was not something I had on my A Quiet Place bingo card when I first watched this movie, and that's just another thing to add to it. Uh, great visuals that, that came out of it, though. The red light against the water, I think, visually is, is you know, stunning. Uh, <laughs> I love the chemistry between the siblings here. Uh, 
Every time that baby cries or makes a noise, I think of stepbrothers. Better shut that baby up. Or it's the other guys. I don't remember which one it is. But <laughs> better shut that baby up. That's that's what I always think of. The that's monster. The that's the hangover. Oh, it's one of the. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is oh, the it hangover. hangover. Hey, it's the same guy. It is the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Shut that baby up. Shut that baby up. Shut that baby up. You're right. It is the ha- man. God, that's one of my favorites. That that makes me mad at myself. Um, the, the monster and Evelyn being face to face. Fantastic. I, I think that comes across so well. Uh, man, that's a lot of corn in that thing. And I know there's, you know, a behind the scenes thing about how they use local corn farmers and stuff, but Jesus Christ, that's a lot of corn in that thing. Uh, the monster going right past Lee in the cornfield, I think really cool visual, especially because like I said, if these things could see, he would have been screwed, man. Uh, now I don't think I'd want to die in it by drowning in corn. So I told, I totally get the the uh, panic that Marcus has here, but I, again, this is probably the moment where may, maybe like I don't know the moment when Reagan and I know that she's like has an epiphany with her earpiece in the last set of scenes, but I think maybe this is the re- moment she realizes this is a way to get rid of this thing is to screw with her earpiece because it works really well. So um, I think I love that they make these monsters just pure evil. You know, the way they snatch and kill people real easy, I think, gives me someone to root for and someone to hate. It's very black and white in that way. So I really like the set of scenes and not as much as I like this last set of scenes, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah, the uh, the first thing I put in my notes for this set of scenes, Brian already answered. I put, how the fuck do they have electricity? <laughs> but uh, never mind. So on to the next. Uh, brilliant plan to have the fireworks set up as a bailout. Uh, in case needed. I thought that was awesome. We need a bigger sound or a bigger noise, whatever he said. That was awesome. Um, it's very tense as Marcus is running through the corn and then immediately hilarious when he ran into the tractor. I laughed my ass off when he ran into the tractor tire. Um, then we get to the basement and you know she's down there in the floodwaters. First of all, how the hell did uh, did Lee just leave without noticing all that water? Like he he walked out and the camera just pans and you can hear the water, so that was annoying. But um, the it's it's freaky as hell finding out that these things can swim. Like the way it just goes under the water off the stairs. That was that was a great visual. But the my one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is right here when Evelyn is picking the baby up out of the box. And as she's picking it up, the monster comes out of the water, like at the same pace. That was an awesome visual there. Um, man, these kids, I don't mean to keep harping on them because they are youths, but they just make it really hard to root for them. Dumbass fell in the silo, and then they both almost drown in corn because they can't figure out the Titanic door puzzle. Fuck out of here. Oh, my God. I, was, I, I, I hate these kids. Anyway, I think we get a great usage of a jump scare, though, in this scene when the the monster drops down into the corn right behind him. Like that's th- this movie does a really good job of uh, building tension. When you consider there's only four deaths in the entire movie, um, it's a very tense movie. That's also hard to accomplish. I feel like so, just a great job all around. Overall, though, this is a good set of scenes that's setting us up for. One hell of an ending. Speaking of the ending, here we go. Uh, another really powerful scene. 
Evelyn is back in the basement watching the monitors as Lee makes it to the children. He hugs them both tightly and asks if they're okay. He hears a monster approaching, motioning to be quiet. He says head towards the truck. Marcus hides inside and Reagan underneath. Lee grabs an axe and the monster above him swipes him with his claw. Marcus screams out, Dad, as Reagan enters the truck with him, and her implant frequency goes off again. The creature now attacks the truck as Lee grabs the axe, grabbing his wound on his side. He drops the axe on the ground. He tells Reagan, I love you. I have always loved you. She tears up, and he lets out a scream, and the monster attacks him. Marcus lets go of the brake, and the truck rolls down the hill. Evelyn walks outside with a shotgun and hugs her children in tears. She hears the monsters, and they run inside the house and down the stairs, avoiding the nail this time. She hides Marcus behind the hot water heater, and Reagan walks down the steps slowly. She sees all the hard work and research Lee has done trying to make her an implant that works. Evelyn grabs a newborn baby and lets Marcus hold him. Reagan cries now as she sees all the different implants he's created. She shows Evelyn all the implants, and they, cry, they both cry together. The lamp flickers as they hear the monster walking down the steps. Evelyn points a shotgun at it, trembling. The noise of the static on the TV causes the monster to hit them, breaking them. Reagan looks at the notes on the board and sees what's its weakness. She turns on her implant and the noise causes the monster to tremble and shake. Reagan puts the implant by the mic causing the monster to fall over in agony. Evelyn turns around in amazement, but the monster charges them. She shoots it with a shotgun in the head, killing it. Evelyn sees more monsters running to the house on the monitors, and she and Reagan make eye contact. She cranks up the mic, and Evelyn reloads the shotgun as the film ends. All right, Brian, what do you think of the ending? Man, it's it's great. It's powerful. Um, I mean, just this moment with Lee saving them, and 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 him telling Reagan, you know, I have always loved you. Which apparently Melissa Simmons is the one who who changed the original line from just "I love you" to "I've always loved you" as well. And Krasinski said it made him cry when he delivered the line. But man, just what a beautiful moment, you know, and just it's ridiculously tremendous shot through the house as, as the kids get home in that truck, which I'm not sure how how that didn't make a whole lot of noise either. Um, I know that they're just not using the engine and rolling down the street. But I mean, there's a reason why they're anyway, I, to me, I had to suspend, you know, disbelief just a little bit there on that one. But man, that moment didn't have really any time to breathe at all. I mean, it almost it's almost like they should have given it a second there to let that loss of Lee kind of sink in a little bit. Um, you know, even the moment between mother and daughter, like right after that, it's just, I just needed, I just needed a few more seconds. I feel like it kind of jumped right into it, but either way, I love the ending. And uh, like I said earlier, I love how the the perceived weakness of her being deaf and having to use the earpiece actually turns out to be the saving grace and the strength that, you know, to, to save her family and not a weakness. Um, and yeah, just Blunt's acting, just unmatched, unmatched during this entire, this entire ending too. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. There's a sigh of relief when, when the kids and dad hug each other, but you just know it's going to hang over there. It's not going to last very long. They were about to jump right back into something that could be bad. Uh, imagine having to watch all of this unfold on monitors, you know, you've got your husband and both your kids out there knowing that that all these, you know, these aliens are around and you can't do really anything about it. Uh, that has to be really, really tough. And I think Blunt gets that across really well. Um, there's another another experience here where you're in the shoes of Reagan in the car and we can't hear the, the alien or monster coming, but 
but they do, you know, they see it and, and we hear it once it hits the car. And I think that makes it very impactful. I really, I thought that was well shot and well made. Um, this is just a heartbreaking scene, man. And I truly mean that the, I love you and I always love you. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Real tears pretty much every time I've watched this movie when it comes to that scene. I mean, that is so powerful and so just tough to watch. Uh, and you know, he realizes he's not strong enough. He doesn't have the right tools to defeat this thing and save his kids. So he does the only thing he can do and that's sacrifice his own life. And that is, man, it's tough every single time, just gut wrenching when it happens. Uh, Reagan's realization about her dad, always, you know, working on her hearing aid and, 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 you know, learning everything that he can about the ear, you know, when she cries, you feel it, man. And again, almost every time I've watched this movie, that gets some real tears out of me too. Um, <laughs> this is the scene where you finally get to like really get a good look at the monster in light. And it's very Demogorgon like, <laughs> like it's almost like the same monster. I mean, not exactly. Cause the, the Demogorgon opens up like a flower, uh, like a Venus flytrap almost. But it's pretty, you know, it's pretty similar to its look and aesthetic for sure. Um, it, but it, it's an ugly-ass monster, man. That's an, that's an ugly-ass thing. No wonder that thing wants to kill people. He's angry all the time. Um, the first time I saw this movie, I wasn't sure that a gunshot would take care of this thing uh, because we hadn't seen it really. And I guess it was him being distorted with the sound you know, through the microphone and earpiece that, that maybe helped weaken it. And then the gunshot worked. I'm not sure, but obviously that was going to trigger a bunch of noise. And so here they all come. Uh, that is a terrifying scene and a terrifying cliffhanger to end on when they're all running and you see them, but we trust these two now as two kind of badasses on their own Two, you know, the two women in the family to, to kind of take control and keep fighting. So, uh, I like the cliffhanger. I love the ending. I wish the movie, I wish there wasn't a movie after this because I think this is just a good way to kind of end it up right here. But uh, I really enjoy the ending. Well, enjoys a touchy word because there's some just freaking, you know, watery eye scenes in this ending here. But I really think it's well done. So I have an unpopular opinion, I guess. I like the ending set of scenes as a whole. I mean, it's very powerful here. We get to see a father sacrificing himself to save his kids. Uh, a chilling moment when he signs, I love you. I've always loved you to his daughter. Like you said, that was awesome knowing that uh, Millicent Simmons is the one that suggested that change. That's crazy. This is a brutal moment. But I think the movie should have ended right there. Because going back to the basement That's That's really cheapened it to me. Because, number one, like, yes, we get to see, you know, more between now single mother and children. Uh, big brother gets to hold his new little brother for the first time. Uh, you know, daughter is finding the work that her father put in to try and help her. All this um, research he was doing and she's seeing the basement for the first time and all this. That All that's good stuff. But the realization that a shotgun will kill it sucks because why haven't the military taken them all out yet? Especially in the United States, we've got the biggest uh, defense budget in the entire world. You're telling me that they couldn't just roll through uh, every state, every city with a, a, you know, a truck blasting loud ass music to draw them out and just mow them down with machine guns. 
that's I mean that it doesn't make sense how we're day four hundred and something, and it seems like all of humanity's gone. It's a ghost town everywhere because as ma- as many guns as there are in America, these things shouldn't be an issue. They should be eradicated four hundred days in. So that's my biggest gripe with the entire movie, and honestly, that realization took my score down a full I don't know probably point point and a half because if if like it's just like what the hell man why are these things still wreaking havoc if a shotgun blast to the face will will kill it so but overall though incredible acting by John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and the kids um in a in a very still a very solid movie all right let's jump into social media comments and questions uh we got quite a bit we're going to do Instagram first Chris underscore 2020 asked, were you guys caught off or shocked by the intense scene right before the title card opened? My theater went nuts. Um, it was, it was a shock. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I didn't see it in the theater. Yeah. I didn't see it in theater either, but I mean, I, oh, obviously I just told you, I just watched it a few weeks ago, but no, it's, it's very tense. And that's what I mentioned. It does a good job setting the tone early on. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting the youngest kid to get snatched like that. So it right. sure did shock the hell out of me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jay Hambrick 88 commented, finally I have a reason to watch this movie. It's been sitting on my shelf since it came out, and I've just been putting it off. Yeah, man, watch it. I think we'll all agree we all like it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some more than others, but we're all going to be positive on it at the end. Uh, Mark underscore Hef. <laughs> oh, I always love reading his comments. Big fan of the show. Great pick. John Krasinski, John Krasinski was brilliant. The kid at the start hits right in the feels. The monsters aren't really the star of this monster movie, more their presence and threat. Oh, and Emily Blunt, sweet Lord, call me sometime. <laughs> sweet Lord. Hey, 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 boy. He's, he's, ta- he's taking your old tagline, Mike. That's all right. He can, he, he can have it. I'm going to pull it out of retirement someday. It's coming. <laughs> all right, let's jump over to Facebook. Clayton J commented, man, I have some catching up to do on some episodes, but I'm back to my regular schedule. So I have time for podcasts again, and I'm happy to start with this one. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, big fan of the show, Jared Summers. A child gets snatched up before his family's eyes. Not exactly Parents of the Year award material, allowing him to walk behind everyone in the first place. Yeah, Emily Blunt stepping on that nail is still the hardest thing to watch in this movie. Yes. Also, as a huge fan of both The Office and Stranger Things, I love that the Duffer brothers let Krasinski use the Demogorgon for the movie. Uh, <laughs> and then he put the, uh, you know, the emoji with the little sweat bead. Great film from start to finish. Movie gets an 8 to 10 for me. All right. I think that's pretty fair rating. Absolutely. Slightly higher than uh, IMDb. Uh, Michelle Merza commented, hearing Nico scene by scene on a movie with barely any dialogue is going to be interesting. This movie actually really wasn't that hard for me to take like scene by scene on. Um, found footage. Whew, those are the hard ones. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Kevin pot off. <laughs> all right he said best part is a kid with a loud toy he had it coming <laughs> damn, damn. exactly well i don't know if he had it coming the parents had it coming yeah and the last comment on facebook is from missy hutchison wall i like this movie but i did not love it i can't really put my finger on why um i, I feel you i'm kind of the same way honestly and now we're going to end it off on twitter kevin scanlon teammate of ours Big fan of this one. Acting was great across the board. With minimal talking throughout, they needed to rely on body language and facial expressions to get the tone across. I also enjoyed how sound was incorporated throughout the film. Great pick, gents. 
uh, Sean Irwin commented, damn near perfect movie. My only question is the ending. Did it end at the right time or did you want to see them take out the others? Dustin had a pretty good thought uh, line of thinking. But I'll just say real quick, I haven't seen the sequel, so I can't really comment if they do anything with these other two running at the house. But I'm fine with where it ended. Yeah, yep. I I mean, I kind of agree with, with Dustin, I guess. But again, I don't. I wish there wasn't a sequel, so I really do like the ending. I think it wraps it up nice. That's really funny, Dustin. I'm, I promise you, as soon as that happened, and I, I even, when I wrote in my notes that I wish that moment had, you know, they let it breathe a little bit, I thought, man, this would actually be a pretty good ending. Absolutely. And then, you know, then it kind of gave me some more, and I thought, well, they, they put too much in this this ending. I don't feel like you could have you, – you needed some of this to kind of come earlier, I guess, if that's where you're going to end it. But let me tell you that I, I, I agree with you some. I mean, like, I wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings if that's where it ended. Yeah. My only problem with that would be is just, I mean, the kids are right there. I mean, I would like to see what happened to them. But, I mean, it wouldn't be a terrible spot to end either. Uh, well, just a well, few well, more. Oh, go well, ahead. Me, go ahead, Dustin. I guess let me revise that then. I don't mean like just in literally right there. Maybe even show them making it safely back to the house. But I don't need to see what goes on once they get there. Like that would have been sufficient. Like when they hug mom, just cut yeah. the end right there. Yeah, okay, let yeah. us know that the kids made it back safely. But I don't need to know the rest. I especially don't need to know that a fucking shotgun is good enough. God. <laughs> All right, just a few more comments and questions. Matt, hey, to be fair, Dustin, with the shotgun thing, I think the point was that her earpiece made it open up and expose the weakness part. So, yeah. like, I, and yeah. so I mean, it wasn't just that people didn't shoot them with shotguns. I that's that's the point that that's that's what I got from yeah. it. Anyway. I mean, that's, I that's what Dead Meat said too. Like, it exposes itself. Uh, opening up the the fleshy part to be shot because I guess that's well, all armor. So did Pee Wee Herman in a movie theater one time, but it's just not really, you know, that's not good enough. For that me. is not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. I mean, we all get it. That was good. <laughs> he exposed himself. All right, all right. Let's jump back to Twitter. Uh, Matt Sears commented, "Great film. How quickly the monster murks that kid near the start made me jump out of my seat the first time I watched it." Fun fact. JK saw a deaf actress for the daughter and she ended up suggesting, I think we've all touched on this, suggesting a change to his last line of the movie, which I thought was perfect. His last line was supposed to be, I love you. See, she should, she suggested what ended up in the movie. I love you. I've always loved you, which given her grief throughout the film seemed like a perfect edit on her part. I agree. That's a great way to end it. And, uh, the last one is from the cool and he has three questions and they're all really good questions. Uh, absolutely great movie, especially the sequel. Number one, did the son being so timid and scared bother you all as much as it did me? Yes, somewhat. I'll say, I'll say, somewhat bothered. Yeah, me. I, I, I tend to agree with it. Only in certain scenes, though. Pussy. <laughs> it did like, not bother me because I can totally, I, I can see a kid that age acting like that a hundred percent because. My kid would have been like that too. I mean, yeah, he's still a little kid at the end of the day, even if it right, is a dire course. situation. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, hell, I was a nine years old and got lost in Walmart and cried, so good Lord. Absolutely. Uh, Me too. All right, question number two. At the end, there were two monsters coming to the house. Do y'all think it was realistic a shotgun is quick enough to take two out? I think they explained it well to me with the, the frequency. Like, it slows yeah. them up, opens up the armor. I, I can buy it, honestly. I mean, the frequency by itself took one down. So if she was about to crank that up, 
and blasted everywhere. I think that was it was believable enough for me. Yeah, I I agree, Brian. Yep, yep, uh, I agree. And his last question is: If there is a third installment, what direction should the franchise go? I'm really interested in the environment of the origin planet of the monsters looks. I have not seen the second one, so I can't comment. But Brian said that he has a good answer for this. I don't. I personally don't want to know about the origins of the of the the alien species. To me, that do I. takes away stuff from it. We've had that yep. discussion fifty thousand times. To me, what you could do is just, I mean, just follow a different family. Uh, you know, during this entire thing, I mean, you could get, you know, have good character development, get connected to another family, and I. If you want to tie it in together, let's let's have uh, let's have Reagan show up at the end and save this family because she knows the secret. So, like you know, that could be like a little surprise, little oh hey shit, there's Reagan from the first two. I don't know, just uh, I don't want it. I don't want it because I don't I mean, either. I don't either. If you do that, then yeah, I get it. Like you can keep it going, and these are good movies. But what new can you do, really? The oh, only no, thing that no, I can see the trope is going to be there. I mean, you're yeah. going to get bored with it for sure. You're right. So the only thing I can Absolutely. see is that maybe uh, they're they're trekking and they find that there are some government officials still alive, and they get this secret into the hands of them that hey, the frequency does it. It's their weakness, and then they take back the world. But we don't need a movie for that. Like, just let the imagination. <laughs> I don't know. There, I don't. I mean, that's the reason I don't like the sequel. I just think there's only so much you can do. I don't not like the sequel. I just don't like it as much because mm-hmm. I, I think there's only just so much that you can do with this concept. That's what I have in my you know my final summary is that I think it's a great idea for a one-off movie. The one thing that I do like about the sequel, Earmuffs Nico, is that it does give us the um, you know the flashbacks and like letting us know yeah. beforehand. Like it just in. But I agree, that's really unnecessary. We know they lived a normal life beforehand. We don't necessarily need to know what they were doing the moment that shit went down, but right. it was a nice touch, I guess. Yeah, and I was going to say this about the second one If whenever we finally get to it. I like it, but it's because I like the first one so mm-hmm. much, and it's almost like you could take 30 minutes of that and do that whole second movie and just add it to this one. And that would have been fine because it's almost just like an extension of this, to be honest with you. We don't need a third one. We're going to run into paranormal activity uh, problems where it's just like kind of becomes formulaic a trope. And you're just like, okay, because like you said, there's almost so only so much you can do with it. And as far as the uh, getting to know the origin of it, there was apparently newspapers hanging up in, in this movie that says a meteor strikes in wherever. And that was kind of their explanation of the origin. So uh, that's where they came from. They're aliens, I guess, but that's good enough for me. Yep. I agree. All right, guys, let's jump into fun facts. Uh, Brian, Dustin, y'all want to go ahead? I don't, I don't have any for tonight. (laughs) I only have one. So let me go, Dustin. Let me get this over with because it's, because it's long. Because and said. I want to bring this. God damn it! I, said, I was gonna say that's what she said. <laughs> hey, I'm leaving that in because it's an office reference and John Krasinski. I'm leaving it in. Exactly. All right. That's so also in, in an interview with the website Slash Film, screenwriter Scott Beck and Brian Woods revealed that Paramount Pictures originally intended to incorporate this A Quiet Place movie into the studio's Cloverfield fram, film franchise. Uh, thank God they did. There we go. As Beck said in an interview, I guess it crossed our minds. We hadn't spoken to our representatives about the possibility. It was weird timing because we were writing the script 10 Cloverfield Lane, and our, we were writing that at the same time the script 10 Cloverfield Lane was at Paramount. We were actually talking to executive there about this film, and it felt 
from pitch form that there might actually be a crossover. But John Krasinski ultimately, you know, kind of relieved and grateful for, for Paramount to finally decide to allow them to make the film as a wholly original stepped in and um, kind of got pushed to do a standalone film. So anyway, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that it's not part of the Cloverfield franchise. To me, the first and second one are really good. They didn't really have to do the third one. So can't wait to make you guys watch the second one. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm sick that day. Um, <laughs> John Krasinski actually played the creature in a motion capture suit for a few scenes. I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. Um, actress Millicent Simmons has been deaf since infancy due to a medication overdose. Um, didn't know that. That's pretty cool. The filmmakers uh, purchased 20 tons of corn and hired local farmers to grow it. So there you go, Mike. There's your corn. There it is. Your corn hub stat of the day. Beer makes corn. Corn makes whiskey. I know you know the words. Uh, well, Rain makes corn. One of those. I don't, I don't, the I don't get the reference. Uh-huh. Um, it was initially intended to leave the American Sign Language unsubtitled. I think we touched on that one. Thank God they didn't do that, though, because, like, I, you know, it, I was still captivated by the movie with no audi- audible um, spoken word, but at least I had I got to read something. So if it was unsubtitled, I would have went crazy. Film was shot in 36 days. It's pretty impressive. Um, Krasinski said he wrote the script with Emily Blunt, his wife, in mind for the role, but was hesitant to ask her, fearing she might either A, turn it down, or B, only accept it for him. So glad it worked out. And, uh, yeah, that's the only one I have because I think, Brian, you mentioned that Amy Adams and Anne Hathaway were also briefly considered. So, yep. I like I like both of them, but it just would not have worked as well. Um, okay, this movie's budget was a cool sec. <laughs> Dang it, Nico, you got me with your side comment over here. I just saw a corn hub. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you know? I said it. I said, there's your, I know you did. I know, but I wasn't expecting it to be on the side of my screen. Side of the day. (laughs) Okay. So this movie was made for a cool $17 million. Uh, Against that budget, it made $341 million worldwide total box office. So when you ask why there's a sequel, there you go. Yeah. I'm going to do one fun fact since it wasn't said, and I I really like this one. Uh, Actor-director John Krasinski has said that the single greatest compliment he received regarding the film was in a tweet from Master of Horror himself, Stephen King. A Quiet Place is an extraordinary piece of work. Terrific acting, but the main thing is the silence and how it makes the camera's eye open wide in a way few few movies manage. He tweeted that on April 6, 2018. And I only brought that up because James Wan himself said that the greatest compliment that a horror director can get is getting Stephen King's approval. So I just, I wanted to read that one. Um, uh, yeah. I, and by the way, I know I say this about music in some movies. The silence is a character in this movie and it's a good one for sure. All righty. Let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Um, who wants to kick us off this week? I'll do it. I'll do it right now. I never go first. Let's do it. Um, this movie uh, oh, sorry. Let me get my favorite kill. My favorite kill is that old fuck who doesn't have a name that I'm aware of. Fuck that guy for trying to get everybody else killed. Uh, just, I guess that's a suicide thing, but sorry, man. That's that's a little fucked up. Uh, my least favorite is Lee. Just, oh, God, Lee. Gut-wrenching, man. Just absolutely, ugh. Uh, so all in all, this movie's beautifully shot. Uh, it has A++ acting. 
Uh, I like the look of this monster. I think it works really well. Again, it reminds me of Stranger Things and the Demogorgon. Um, I think this is an interesting concept for a film that works so good as a one-off. Uh, I think that it's it, it's done with almost perfection here. By nitpick about them bringing a child in really did knock my points down some because I that's one leap in logic that I couldn't ignore. But outside of that, all the other ones I can kind of suspend my disbelief and just really buy into the story, which is a, a man and a woman trying to protect their kids to the best of their abilities. Whether they always do that well or not is up for debate. Um, but again, I think there's so much tension throughout the entire film and it's executed so, so well. Um, all in all, I gave this movie an 8.75. All right, I'll go next. Uh, favorite kill? I wrote Bo, the son, at the very beginning. And I just wrote, not that I want a child to die, but I just thought it was a great way to kick the movie off. And how many times have we said on this show a director or they've had the balls to kill a kid? You know, I just I thought it was great that they went that far with it right off the opening scene. Uh, Lee's favorite was Lee. Uh, I just wrote, Dad could have thrown the axe or something else to distract the monster. I mean, you're the dad. I mean... They, they need you around, like, don't die like that. Uh, and I just wrote a little little summary. Very conflicting movie for me. Incredible acting, heartfelt scenes that really pull out the heartstrings. Uh, this is a terrifying world to live in. Beautifully shot and such a great feel and mood. Uh, just some things that frustrate me. Uh, number one, the look of the monster. I know I'm probably just big, being super nitpicky here, but it does just feel like a ripoff of the Demogorgon to me and when I saw it, I was just getting into like season two of Stranger Things. It just it bothered me, but it's not like a super bad deal breaker. And and I agree, Mike. Also, just frustrating how they let their kids just roam so freely in this dangerous world. Kids are just running through this grocery store freely, bringing a new child into the world when any noise could bring them death. How Evelyn doesn't see this giant nail sticking up after the, I mean, this laundry bag gets stuck on this nail for a decent amount of time. You'd think you'd probably go down there and look and see what's causing that. And why is there a nail right there anyways? It's a stair. Like, why would you put a nail through that part of the board? It just, that just didn't make sense to me. Or Lee hearing that water running, like, it's dead quiet. You should be able to hear that. And uh, like I just mentioned, my least favorite kill, my last nitpick is Lee's death. It was a beautiful moment, him telling his daughter he's always loved her. But man, throw that axe at the shed and do something. Like, create some other type of distraction. You're the man of the house and you're needed here in this family. But... Anywho, uh, I don't hate this movie. I hope Brian doesn't think I do. Uh, I still, I wrote, it's still a very good movie, and I gave it a 7.75. I'll go ahead and go since it's uh, Brian's movie. So, as far as my kills go, my favorite kill was the uh, the old man because it was unexpected, and it, it provided great tension. He was like, holy shit, he's going to get the kids. He's going to get uh, Lee and Marcus killed here. So, very tense moment there. Least favorite kill was his wife because we didn't see his off screen. Um, but as far as the movie, I like it. I mean, it's it's a high rewatchability factor. I just looked it up. Uh, my text to you guys, July 4th is when I watched this movie for the first time. And I uh, watched it again, I guess, about a week ago. Watched it again tonight. So I've seen it three times in a little over a month. And it's, it's one of those that's going to go in my rotation. It's an easy watch with a lot of good acting in it um the atmosphere the cinematography like the score everything about this movie is very well done other than the nitpicks i mentioned i agree nico lee would have heard that water i agree 
she should have known that nail was there or seen what was catching her laundry bag and not stepped on it. Um, they shouldn't have let their let the little boy walk so far behind the group and get get himself killed like that. Because if he was walking with his parents, they would have seen, hey, you have that rocket. We told you to put that down. What the hell's going on here? Um, and I do think that the ending should have been shouldn't have shown us the uh, alien monster get killed. Because, again, 470-something days into this thing, and you're just now finding out that shotgun kills it. Even if the frequency has to make it vulnerable first, I still think the government might have tried that first. The military would have found that out first beforehand, before a, you know, I don't know, 12-year-old girl, however old she is. So I do have my issues with it. So that took my score down, like I said, about a point and a half. I probably would have gave, given this um, you know, closer to Mike's score, but I gave it a 7.75 as well. Not bad at all. Um, so before I go, I kind of would just touch on the whole like having the baby thing one more time. I think, and, and like I said earlier, my easiest explanation for me is just basically that it was an accident. But playing devil's advocate, I think like a couple of other reasons like mike mentioned that whole like lingering trauma of losing a kid i mean some some families you know some people everybody handles trauma differently you know some people and some families may just have that oh what's the word uh make their family whole again i guess is what i was trying to say um that may have been a reason and also i mean just a simple end of the world type of uh, explanation i mean I think it's, would I do it? No. Like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate, but I mean, you need repop, you know, maybe they're feeling responsible to repopulate the human race. I mean, I don't know. I'm throwing that out there too. To me, like I said, though, I think it's just an accident's the easiest uh, explanation there because doing it on purpose is very reckless. I completely agree. Um, I, I, I do think that this is a, a good start to the monster movie month. Um, you know, I think that this movie is damn near perfect from the acting cinematography, uh, to that sound design. Mike mentioned the jumping perspectives back and forth that it uses, especially on the bridge at the beginning. Uh, to me, just a few nitpicks, like we talked about, it does knock it down some, but not much. Uh, I gave it a nine. Oh, my bad. My, my favorite kill actually was the, uh, the, the raccoon that got smashed by the monster when it was, you know, after it <laughs> fell off the building. I thought that was great. I thought that was cool effects. And my least favorite kill was the same as Dustin's, uh, the old lady at, at the, uh, in the woods. Well, first of all, we're never getting that sponsorship from PETA now that you said your favorite kill was a raccoon. <laughs> but um, our, uh, our composite score tonight then is an 8.3125. IMDb has it as a 7.5. So we're not too far off. And we know more than them, so. I was waiting for somebody to say that. Mike safe. What is they what do they know anyway? That's what I'm saying. They only they're only right when they agree with me anyway. <laughs> I'm with them. All right, guys. Right. Any more uh final thoughts on a quiet place before we just shout out our blood donors and get out of here? No, sir. Uh, great no, sir. great pick, Brian. Um Yeah, I was to say fantastic pick, man. It's hard to say that a movie from twenty eighteen is <laughs> overdue for, considering right. the movies we right. haven't done in the past, but this is a uh, this is one of the most popular ones of the last decade so i mean and it is kind of funny that nobody like we're doing monster movie month but none of us picked any of the like original universal monster movies 
that <laughs> that you would expect for right we're gonna yeah. have to do them at some we're gonna have to do them at some point nico yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point. you think nico's yeah. gonna voluntarily pick a black and white movie come on <laughs> the lighthouse if, if y'all ever pick the uh, black and white month i'm picking the lighthouse i don't care about the rules <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's shout out our uh, blood donors. We really appreciate y'all. We cannot stress enough. Times are tough right now, so financial donations truly mean the world to us. It takes a big burden off of us to make and produce this podcast. Our camper level reoccurring are Clayton J., Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, and big shout out to Alex Seligson. I'm just going to shout him out right now. Uh, I'm a big sneakerhead, and he sent me some pictures of stuff he was getting rid of. Sent me a brand new pair for free. Didn't even charge me shipping, so big shout out to him. Uh, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, and Adrian Aiello. Really appreciate y'all. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Heather Smith, and Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia. Big shout out. Uh legendary blood donors we have film reviews to do for our michael azelson uh looking forward to that review uh, and our final guide donors are christian cunningham and matt sears with film reviews to do uh just want to thank y'all all of our blood donors one more time uh thank all of our fans if you have an apple product leave us a rating on apple podcast or leave us a, a rating on spotify we got a perfect 5.0 on spotify that's awesome but uh you know get leave us a review it just helps us reach new people and uh make new fans and we love doing that uh any final thoughts guys before we get out of here no Mike, man, i had a good, t- had announce a good your time pick. discussing announce your pick i forgot that this oh a, yeah another giant movie oh <laughs> uh, okay so actually i get two episodes next week correct okay i don't know if one's supposed to be surprised but we put it out anyway so my the first episode i'm i delayed my birthday pick for march so we are, we are going to be covering the Boy Meets World episode that is inspired by Scream, and I know what you did last summer. Uh, so that shouldn't even be the longest episode you've ever listened to, but I think we'll have a lot of fun. And when we announced that, that seemed to get a lot of feedback. People were excited about it. So I'm excited to do that. But my movie pick for Monster Month, all I'm going to say is hold on to your butts because we're doing Jurassic Park, baby. And I don't care if you think it's horror. I really don't care. Good pick. Uh, because I think it falls perfectly in line with just about any other monster movie that you can review. So um, I completely understand if you don't think it falls under the umbrella, but I said last week on our social medias that, man, we're going to do everything in the realm. We're going to cover the whole hog. And so whether that's kids horror or right on the line, whether you think it's a thriller or, or fantastical movie or whatever, you know, there's a debate about Jaws being horror. And I understand that one as well. And we covered that. So if we can cover Jaws, we can cover Jurassic Park because, buddy, there's a ton of dinosaurs eating people in this movie. So I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, my birthday is coming up at the end of this week, so I got my birthday pick. I do think it's very selfish of me that I'm doing my birthday pick the same week as my birthday. We're just now getting yours, Mike. We still haven't done yours, Brian. But um, you know, <laughs> regardless, well, we're gonna we're gonna suffer through a movie for my birthday, fellas. <laughs> I, it's I so bad, movie, buddy. It's so I picked a movie that uh, I I bought in two thousand. When did that come out? Two thousand six. Um, I bought it on DVD. I guess maybe two thousand eight. Uh, it's called WrestleManiac. I love professional wrestling. Grew up loving professional wrestling. One day I'm at Walmart. I'm walking down the DVD aisle. 
and I see uh, a movie called WrestleManiac, I pick it up. It's like, what the hell is this? It says Rey Mysterio on the cover. And then uh, it's Rey Mysterio Sr. is in the movie. And I've owned the DVD all this time. I watched it one and only time when I bought it. I was like, God, this is bad. And then I was like, hey, you know what? We do a horror movie podcast. Let me make my co-host suffer through it. I don't want to do it on a normal weekly review, so we'll wait to my birthday. You guys are welcome. Very thoughtful. (laughs) I have a feeling that the Irwin household will like this movie. The Irwin household? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Shut up. (laughs) If I were, hey, man, if I were Ray Mysterio Jr., I wouldn't want my name associated with the guy he was named after after seeing this movie. But anyway. Wow. (laughs) All right. uh, Super excited for the upcoming reviews. Um, It just speaks volumes on on horror. (laughs) WrestleManiac (laughs) one week and then Jurassic Park the very next. And don't forget, Four Meets World. Don't forget. I haven't seen that one yet, so I don't even know what to comment. Hey, one day we need to do the uh, Urkel episode where there's Chucky and shit. And there you go. Involved. I'm in. Uh, Let's do it. But anywho, thank you all the fans. We really appreciate y'all. And y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. Uh-